Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts, founder of Haircuts for Homeless, and welcome to the Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm going to be talking to people who are truly inspirational to me, some you may have heard of, and some you haven't, but you really need to hear their story. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm a lucky boy today. I've got two wonderful ladies with me today. Um, I'm speaking to Elizabeth Kewen, who's a beauty business guru, and also that she does work alongside um, Suzanne Post, who has got the wonderful initiative called Shearhaven. Um, that's a brief. It's a brief one. So, if ladies, you want to sort of explain a bit more about what you both do, maybe this first. Okay, so um, I specialize in salon um, turnaround and business development within the industry. And um, during one of the lockdowns, how Suzanne and I met, during one of the lockdowns, I was feeling very sorry for myself at home one night at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. I think it was Valentine's night, actually. And I couldn't, you know, couldn't go anywhere. And I was just flicking through LinkedIn and I came across this sheer haven training. And there was nothing on TV. So I thought, well, I may as well do this on this link. And I did this little training that was 20 minutes long. And um, at the end, at the end of that, then I I received a little a little certificate. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, time goes on. And but it brought me right back to a situation that I'd had like many years ago where I literally had to flee for my life and go into hiding. And I was, you know, so terrified. And I remember just sitting there after doing the training and saying to myself, Oh, my God, if this was now in Ireland, we weren't allowed to go any more than we could only go two kilometers at the time during that lockdown. And I remember thinking, well, if I could only if I had to make a getaway now and I could only go two kilometers, I would be dead. That that is 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 really, you know, the, you know, the nuts and bolts. And, and I just it just stayed with me and I just stayed thinking about it for a while. And then I had noticed, you know, during during all those months where I salon owners, you know, I might have seen them on social media that I might have worked with before putting out posts of, um, you know, if you, you know, I know you can't come to the salon now, but, you know, if, if you need me, just ring me and ask me for eyeshadow such and such. But if you need me to call the authorities, ring, you know, say such and such a colour eyeshadow and I'd observed all of this going on. So it just made me sit and think, well, I actually felt I had a responsibility to do something about this. Um, and also, you know, I've come across it in, in the course of my own work. So I thought, right, okay, everybody in our industry is is starting to do virtual training, even though none of us have a clue how to use a computer. But anyway, everybody was doing virtual training. <laughs> and I thought, <clears throat> I'm just going to put this out in a newsletter next week. You know, you're all very busy doing doing virtual training at the moment. I suggest you do this. You might just save a life. And I thought no more of it. Just sent it out. Nobody responded to me like typical. Nobody said thanks or well done, <laughs> anything like that. But it still stayed with me. And I thought, you know what, with, with you know, with, in you know, having worked in the industry for so many years, I just thought, you know, it would be helpful to bring this to a UK and Irish um, industry, you know, to our, our sector at this point. So we reached out to Suzanne and um, poor Suzanne has had to put up with me since. So, 
<laughs> so um, it's sad, you know, that there's such a demand for for training, but it's very um, I feel very privileged to be in a position to actually bring it to the industry. So that's that's my background, really, and how I met um, Suzanne and Shearhaven. Oh, and it's been such a pleasure. I'm so honored to be here with you today, Stuart. And of course, Liz is a delight. It's been amazing getting to know her um, through this initiative. But just a bit about my background. I've been a salon owner and a stylist in Nashville for many, many years, almost 30 years. And I'm also a survivor of domestic abuse. And um, my backgrounds kind of came together in 2017 after I heard that a law had been passed in a different state that was now requiring domestic violence education for all beauty professionals uh, in their location. And it just hit me. I knew that it was something that initially I just needed to bring to my community. And so it started so small. I reached out to several friends who connected me with um, the local YWCA, which is an organization that is the biggest domestic violence service provider in our um, area, in our region. And we started creating this uh, domestic violence 101 training that we provided in person salon by salon. And it very quickly became evident that it needed to be bigger. I needed to be able to reach more people in Tennessee. And so I um, reached out to a local lawmaker and started the process of passing legislation in Tennessee that would require this training. And that's when it just started to um, expand. Basically, through COVID, I connected with the lead educator for Barbicide, Leslie Rosti, and that's when we uh, created an online training, which was able to have the reach that it has now, which is how we got to the point of, um, you know, me being able to reach Liz, for example, across an ocean. And, um, you know, I'm happy to share more details about that story, but that's kind of how we ended up where we are right now. That's the very short version of how we ended up where we are. But it's amazing. I, you know, um, really, I should have took the call, shouldn't I, before? If I was a real... <laughs> well, it's... I thought, a yeah, confession. <laughs> I haven't done the course yet, but I will do the calls. Um, yes. Yeah, I love the part, the, the part of it because... In, in my what I do on my day to day basis is I come across a lot of women who are trapped, and some people who are, I I meet some women who are actually fleeing and they're you know in these refuges I go, but I did have a salon for thirty years, so I remember well. And there's that connection that we have as hairdressers, and I, I same for beauty parlors and stuff like that. That that you you've got this trust, and you actually get intuitive with your client. When you've done the, I mean, we only see them once every six weeks for a couple of hours, but sometimes they don't see their friend, their family for that much, some of their extended yeah. family, you know, and you get to pick up when they're off 
And I used to be fat without any training or before I did had any experience with with the charity I do now. I used to know when something was off. I used to know when when the, by her language of yeah, I'm not allowed to have it short. All you know, like there's these little things would creep in and the coercive control and maybe the financial control. You get little glimpses of it anyway. So I think this is crucial. Your training is is crucial to amplify what we've got naturally as hairdressers. Well, and that's exactly, you touched on it perfectly because isolation is one of the biggest indicators of um, there being something wrong in a relationship. Often people will be pulled away from their closest friends, their closest family members, and the salon or the spa may be the only place that they're kind of allowed to still regularly go. And of course, we know as beauty professionals that our relationship is so intimate with our our clients. And our bird's eye view of what's going on in their lives with seeing patterns regularly over months and months and years, we become so close and we're able to see when something might be shifting or if something just isn't quite right. Yeah, definitely. I, I um, so what, what, what does someone have to do to get the training? It is a free online training that you can find through many places. You can find it on uh, the YWCA Nashville. You can search Shearhaven YWCA, and you can find it. I know Liz has a link on her personal page. on my website. Yes. So you can find it through Liz. Um, Dermalogica has also come on as a partner. And so I know that they are also providing it through their platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been touched by just how many industries, industry uh, leaders have really resonated with the training and have been able to offer it. But it's important to us that it always be accessed for free at no charge. So, um, it's 20 minutes. It's very easy. And there's a little test at the end that will give you a certificate. Yeah. Which, so how does someone go about, what's your your experience, Liz, of, of, of then implement it? You know, it's all right to have the knowledge, but then how do you implement it <laughs> with, with that, um, right, that subject? So it was July 2021, wasn't it, really, where, where we launched it officially in, in the UK and Ireland. And, you know, I've been in the industry a long time, Stuart, and, you know, launched so many things over the years, but my phone did not. I had two weeks where I was just, you know, TV stations in Ireland um, fighting over it. Um, and we got all the UK and Irish um, consumer press as well as all the trade press. So the app, it's like the appetite for it was just, it was just um, incredible. So that's... Just say, tell me the question again, Stuart. I've lost my train of thought. What was how? How does then someone much had to try oh, yeah. and implement it with a customer? How, how do they implement it? But yes, that's what I was going to say. Back the feedback that I got from everybody in the industry was, I didn't know what to say. I, you know, people would sit in my chair. I'd know by you know, I'd know by the bruising. I'd know by the you know makeup covering the bruising. You know, you know, people saying they've alopecia where the hair has actually been pulled out of their head or whatever it is. Um, 
the person I think I've told you this is on the lady that I go to you know uh, uh, in the salon she told me she had somebody on her her husband had cut off his her fingers and she but she said she just did not know and the, you know the lady is a client for a long time and she just did not know what to say and what she said to me was the training has empowered me now to know what to say previously I didn't know what to say so that was the biggest feedback that I was getting from people that now from doing this little 20 minute training that most people could do you know when they're having having their lunch um rather than being on social media just for one day that was the greatest feedback that I got now I know what what to say and what not to say and um you know if I have my certificate gradually we're hoping that people get to see what you know the very people in salons love their certificates that that the Shearhaven um brand becomes known so that consumers will get to see well I'm in a safe place now so I think it's you know we all help and want want to help and want to care um but we can't solve this so just to be able to say to somebody you know just to listen, I have a number if you ever need it. This is a safe place for you. You can call me anytime. That was the biggest feedback that I got that it resonated. I don't have to solve the problem for my client now. I just have to listen and I know what to say and what not to say. And it's not about judging. It's just being a safe place and not feeling uncomfortable. What do I do? What do I, what do I say now? So I was really pleased with that, that so many people, because we all come across it. And that was the interesting thing. Nobody said, I don't know what you're talking about, Liz. I've never had anybody. Everybody was able to tell me instances where they've had it, but you know, had people there, clients, but just didn't know what to do. So I think that's a really strong starting point that we're now no longer afraid. If I've done the training, I'm not saying, oh, I hope that person doesn't come in because I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. That's, I think, a great starting point for even a junior therapist or stylist that that they know now what to do and say and what not to do and say. That's it. And what not to do or say could be as uh, significant as what to say. Um, I think that we are so naturally compassionate in our industry. You know, we really have the desire to um, help people feel better about themselves, help them problem solve. And I think that there were harmful ways that we used to insert ourselves meaning well. You know, we would try to jump in and help give advice, but maybe it was harmful advice if it was a um, actual abusive relationship or something that was uh, potentially dangerous. You need to carefully plan and um, get to the professionals that can give resources that can really help. And um, one of the things that we provide in our in our training is now downloadable, printable uh, brochures and sheets that can be put in. Um, places like bathrooms or changing areas where someone could tear off a number to a refuge or a um, domestic violence resource and be connected with the uh, professional, the therapist that can really give the right advice for the right situation because there's not a one size fits all. And yet Liz, you're exactly right. Everyone resonates with it. No one, no one ever says I've never seen that. And we know even statistically by just getting education in this many hands that if at least one in three or one in four women and at least one in seven men will experience 
abuse at some point in their lives, that even just um, the person receiving the training may be the person that needs it. And so it's really been um, powerful. I know Liz and I have talked in depth about the kind of response that we've received from so many uh, people that has really affirmed that we, this is a universal issue. This is something that resonates sadly with people around the globe. Undoubtedly. I, I, um, I can say, because my daughter is very brave and very open and she's, she's got a, a following on Instagram and she's, called Crazy New Mama, if anyone wants, wants to listen to her. Um, she gets on my nerves, but, you know, like someone else might find it interesting. But she, no, she, she, she's been open, so I can, I, I, I'm not jeopardising her by saying that from a, a parent's point of view, um, it's so difficult to stand back and watch this happen to someone. The powerlessness... I've never felt powerlessness like it in my life, even to the point of, you know, watching my mum, last year was my mum, before that my dad, you know, watching them pass away with cancer, you know, you just, you're so powerless you can't do anything about it. This seems even amplified because you want to step in and make it happen, but when the perpetrator gets so far into their mind is that she can have bruises and stuff and you can say to her, has he hit you? And it's, no, no, I've got in a fight in the pub, you know. And then he, when he pulls up outside, I can go to him and go, have you hit her? Because <laughs> if you have, I'm coming for you. Just so you know, I'm coming for you. And, uh, no, I've not hit her. And he goes, you know, and it's that they're so controlling that they cannot even admit to what's happening to them to the point where, as a family, we had to let her go. And she was only 17 hardest thing we've ever done um but she came back and i feel that if if i if i had handled it differently maybe all comes blazing and you actually make them the hero they become a victim and then they they cling to them even more and you know there's a lot of people out there and unless you've experienced it you always hear well why don't you just leave them i mean if i've heard it once why don't you just leave them as if it's the simplest decision in the world. You know, what do you say when when people say that? I think leaving is harder than staying. Yeah. And you know when you stand up to any bully, what's going to happen is they're going to up the ante. Yeah. And you're so flattened, the thoughts of it getting worse. So I'd stay because it's easier to stay when the reality of it is, is it, you know, you're putting your life in danger by staying. Um, but I think, well, certainly in my case, I, I knew if I if I annoy him that much, by God, am I going to pay the price? So so, so you stay. Yeah. Because they own you. They own you at that point. Yeah. And I think that it's a, um, it's so nuanced because there's also the hope. There's the hope that something will change. You might, because of the cycle of violence is so... Um, confusing, you start off in such a honeymoon phase where someone is so charming and love bombing and um, you are receiving things that you never dreamed were possible. And then it moves into the eggshell phase where you know that something is coming, but you don't know what or when. 
and then the explosion, which is, you know, the smallest period of time in the whole cycle. It might be a brief explosion that's either um, a verbal onslaught or emotional, or it might be something, you know, very painful and physical, but then it very quickly moves back into the, the love and the promises. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are so entwined with someone that they have that hope that it will change. They think that if they just do the right thing, if they just say the right thing, that maybe they'll be able to get back to what they had the promise of at the beginning. It's... um it never ceases to amaze me the cruelty of people. And as you say, it's one in seven men, so it's not all, you know, it's not yeah. it's not just a one-sided gender thing at all. Um, and uh, the, the, a lady I met on my travels, I won't say which city it was, but I met her at a city and she was at one of our sessions and I, it, she sort of was, I, I had her out the corner of my eye and my sister's like runs it with me and she's the, She's the form ticker and she gets everyone settled and all that. And this, this woman sort of like edged towards her a little bit. And then, you know, it was nearly towards the end of the session. And I saw her say to my sister, like, oh, do you think I can have my hair cut? So I quickly motioned to her and said, look, I'll, I'll do that one. Because I could see she was really vulnerable. And she had long sort of straggly hair, you know, like the sort of very fine straggly hair, unkempt. And... Um, couldn't do a lot because it's sometimes we're just doing a little dry cut or something. But I just gave her a lovely little bob. And she came alive. After a little while, she started to talk more. She came, you know, and she was so pleased with this bob cut. And um, and then she opened up to my sister and she was saying to her that um, it's the first haircut she had in seven years. So her partner was... Um, uh, money controlling, coercive control, you know, financially coercive, sorry. And and she she weren't allowed to have any money. You know, she wasn't, she would, and she would have to go and get his beer and that, but he would know, he'd give her the right money or he'd know how much change he wanted. So she'd never have any money. So he got to the point where she, at, at one time, when she knew she had to go, was that he poured a petrol over her in his drunken state, and she had to stand in the middle of the... When she was explaining this to us, I just couldn't believe. She had to stand in the middle of the living room and he was sitting in a chair and she was covered in petrol and he had a lighter and he kept flicking the lighter on and off. And at some point he passed out and that was a point where he wouldn't let her go and have a shower. She was standing there with his lighter going off and and she knew he, she would be she would be killed if she didn't get out then. So she managed to find where we had some money stashed and she left that city on a, with no possessions, just some money to get a train ticket. She went from that city to the city we were in and she was in the process in that place of then being moved on to a safe house. Um, probably the most important haircut I've ever done, you know. And um, that's the... So my point is, 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 it's not sort of sharing horror stories. I mean... It took my breath away when you said they cut her fingers off, you know, that, that mm. poor lady. But I think the point is, is saying that this is the extremes it can get to. So, you know, people need to know the extremes it can go to when they're at the beginning 
starting to just turn a blind eye on some behaviours because it that's how far it can go if it's if it's not dealt with. Well, and our hope is that by um, opening up more conversations and reducing the stigma around, there's so much shame and so much stigma around this issue that we can reach people with the early patterns, the warning signs, the recognition of what um, an abusive relationship is and what the cycle is before it gets to such a terrible point, before it gets to that dangerous point. I think that um, being able to just offer those resources and um, the awareness, so many people have said, I just didn't know what it was. They say, you know, I've seen that pattern so many times in someone I love or someone I work with, but I, I just didn't know exactly what it was. And so, um, yes, please let us reach as many people as we can with that sort of information just to start to make a shift in it. That's our hope, right, Liz? <laughs> Yeah, and I feel the timing is is very good now. And I think, you know, a lot of positives came out, uh, came from the pandemic. And certainly at the end of 2020, one of the nicest things people kept saying to me, I was so happy about it, was people were saying to me, I didn't know I was so important in people's words, you know, as a hairdresser. Um, I'm never going to say I'm only a hairdresser ever again. And I was just, oh my God, did it take a pandemic for you to realise just how important you are? So I think... People's in in the salon world, I think people's sense of themselves and and you know their how and understanding that their interaction with their clients is, is so important and so valuable, you know, and it probably did take a pandemic for for people to accept that. So I I think you know certainly the people I've been talking about feel a little bit more confident in their role within within their clients' worlds now and have a better understanding of how important they are and probably feel a little bit more empowered to recognise and um and help with this situation. Whereas I think you know years ago it was always oh I'm only a hairdresser like I don't matter I'm only the hairdresser. And I'm so pleased that, that that has shifted to I'm very important. Yes. You know, people now take me seriously because I, I'm the hairdresser and, I, and I'm very important in their words. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing isn't it? that, and I've been doing it, I was 60 last year, so I've been a hairdresser for like 44 years, you know, like 45 years. And uh, still, I can't believe I'm still hearing people say, I'm only an hairdresser. I'm just an hairdresser. You're having a laugh. This is the most wonderful, giving, joyous, rewarding industry that's out there, you know. Don't you dare say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but now from this training to realise, well, I'm actually a lifeline in in, in certain people, hopefully not too many, but I provide a lifeline, literally a lifeline to, to people now. I mean, the great thing is we've, we're, we're lucky now. We've got a little army of about, I think we're, we're over 600 volunteers in our, our little thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's no reason now why I, I can then get the link and I can send it out to all our WhatsApp groups. And, you know, and then, but some of them work in salons with other addresses. So, you know, we may be able to get a big uptake just from our volunteers alone, which would be amazing. It's wonderful. Be the more the... um as people have 
gotten certified, there's also a way to share their certificate online on Instagram, on Facebook, on social media. And, um, you know, just a few words about how it impacted them personally. And I've, if you just search, you know, hashtag Shearhaven, you'll see so many certificates from people that um, I think we've reached maybe 130 countries, 100, wow. yes, 130 countries. I believe it's 81,000 people to date uh, since we launched it in October of 2020. And, um, you know, just seeing how connected we are, the heart of what you do, Stuart, you know, clearly resonates across the world. You know, everyone in every community can reach people with um, giving of their time and their resources in that way. And in the same fashion, I think it is powerful to see how people, you know, will take the training and talk to their coworker about it. And then suddenly 10 people in their salon are certified. And it's truly a safe place for anyone who walks in the door. And um, so it's just that organic movement. And that's how people can really help is just by spreading the word. Yeah, fantastic. So what's the, you know, what's the, what's the plans now? What's, where's it going to go next? Oh, goodness. So many plans. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm just going to interrupt here. I think um, Susanna's being a bit coy here because you've now it is now law in Tennessee, isn't it? It is. Um, during, let's see, we're at about the one-year mark from when the law went into effect here in Tennessee that requires the training for, not necessarily our training, but requires domestic violence education. So ours is the only online training that most people in our state use. But if they wanted to find an in-person training, they certainly could. But now every licensed barber, cosmetologist, esthetician, nail tech, and natural hair braider as well as everyone in school for all of these wonderful industries is now required to receive it here in our state. And um, we have had people from other states that have now reached out after seeing and hearing about what we've done saying, we want to do this here in uh, Montana. We, We think we need this education mandatory in Michigan or New Jersey, you know, there's people that around the country have now reached out wanting to pass similar movements and legislation. And so, yes, Liz and I have the dream of this being um, kind of a positive movement in that way, that people are inspired to um, spread it in that way, which would be amazing. And we're also working on getting it translated into a few other languages. So, you know, as of now, it's only available in English and people have clearly resonated with it, even just in English around the world, you know, in South America and across Europe and in Africa and Asia. But um, and certainly Australia, you know, if you look at where people have been certified, it's everywhere. But I just think we could have even greater reach with more languages provided. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you got plans? Have you got plans to bring it to um, like the island in the UK as legislation? Is that something? Well, we have, um, I would need help with that. 
<laughs> but I, I think I think yes that 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 would be be a real good starting point. I know um, something has been passed in Ireland recently. Um, you know that people get um, time off now for domestic violence. You know, like like paternity and maternity leave. That with domestic violence, there's a certain number of days, not in just in our industry, but in industry in general, that people can now have time off. So it's starting to move in in Ireland. Um, I would certainly be very interested. Um, yeah, in bringing it to the in bringing it to the UK, but I, I would definitely need I would need help, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. I'm happy to come over. And yeah, um, but uh, yeah, but I, I do think, yeah, it, it definitely. Do, yes, there's no reason for it not to go that way. Yeah, yeah, I think people in, in a good position to sort of look at that um, is uh, the British Beauty Council. Um, yes, Millie Kendall was just. I don't want to give her any more work because she's. <laughs> I got they, yeah, they, they, people like that, you know, in a position where she does speak to the government, and um, that's what you need, isn't it? Is someone yes. on the behalf of the importance of getting it into something? Like yes, that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it would have to be from the governing bodies, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think it, you know, it makes sense. You need to you need to put these things at the roots of things. The colleges, you know, make it part of this college syllabus. So every single college, you know, so so people are looking for it at that, at that early stage and they le- they can learn and then get their experience as they go along. But yes. get the idea of it, you know, right at the beginning, the grassroots, where, where everyone begins their, their salon training. Okay, Stuart, have I not got enough work to do? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm good at that. That's okay. Sorry, I'm recovering from a cold. Um, yeah, okay. Right, I should put that on my list. <laughs> Well, Giselle, anyway, I'm more than happy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll team up, Liz. We've got this. Yeah. You, yes. Yeah. You'll have to. Yeah. You'll have to come. You have to. Come. Yeah. I mean, there's no. There's no reason why not. Why it shouldn't be on the syllabus. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's if an I can open anyway. Like, Thank I, you. Uh, I'll only. I'll only put it in other people's ears, but. <laughs> It needs to be. It's just such a no-brainer, and anyone who's affected by this knows the importance of it. You know, it's just you've done. You know, we're having a laugh now, but it's it's so serious, and uh, the, it's it's just if you get, you know, it's the thing. It, it's not just changing someone's day; it's saving someone's life. It's, it's it sounds dramatic, but it's that it's as important as that. Um, I think. Um, I mean, because you've you've said about because when you're talking, I can't. Sorry, I, I we've got a project in Dublin. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. We, it's one of, I haven't got favourites, but it's probably up there. It's okay. <laughs> the Capuchin <laughs> Centre in Dublin. Oh yes, with, uh, brother Kevin, and you know it's oh, just a wonderful place. Friars. Yeah, I've been yeah, there. They do incredible work. Yeah, we've been there since. Uh, but since probably only about a year in that we opened up over there and uh, we've got a great team of people there. Um, but, yeah, something I can I can put towards them as well. Um, in fact, I say that is this the, the judgmental thing of um, another thing that Brother Kevin taught me just before he's just retired. Funny. Yeah. Um, and he, he had a day, he, he was out in front one day and a lady pulled up in a car and she, she came in to get some stuff and went back to the car and he stopped her on the way out. 
And he said to her, that, um, why do you need to come in here if you've got a car? And she said, well, I'm really sorry, Brother Kevin, but the last time my husband beat me, he beat me so bad, I thought he was going to kill me. So I've had to escape with the children and we're living in the, in the car. And he said to me, so we got them in and we looked after them, clothed and fed and everything that they needed. Um, and he said, to that day, I've never questioned anyone who wants to come in. I've never, I've, I've, I've never judged anyone. If they're hungry, we'll feed them. We, we'll feed them. And I think it's such a, a lesson. It's stuck with me for so long that even, you know, you can never judge anyone. You never know their story, which is, is so important with what you're doing as well. And everybody has a story. Of course. Yeah. Mm. And, they, it, you know, we, we carry this stuff around. And um, But I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased that you've both come on. Um, so what we'll do, we'll... Um, this on the when it's all done, and we'll put the we'll put links on uh, links for everything that they can go. And we'll have a link so people can tap straight on it and go straight to the training. Uh, and I'll I'll encourage everyone. I know I'll be really encouraging. I can I can't order them because they're not they're not employees. They're volunteers. <laughs> but I will really heavily <clears throat> encourage them to do all the training. I encourage every uh, governing body to get behind pushing this out. I think it needs to go into colleges, and I think we need to start at some point having it as legislation in our country, definitely, that it's mandatory in, as part of the education that we have. Having it start at the beginning is such a good place to start, you know, just with the foundation of the education, just moving into the industry. It's it's foundational because it's something that everyone will see as point. they as they start working with people with their clients. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I also think though, on a different note, it's really important for for employers to do this training because you know, like I'm sure when you had a salon, Stuart, you had a big team of people. So you know, there can be people on your team. That, that, are, that are suffering this as well. And like, if I know the signs, then I can spot it. And it has happened to me in a few, just, you know, a few times um, in the course of my work. Like I can remember once I actually, you know, went to go and work with the salon owner for the day. And in the end, I ended up like pulling her out of her house on her stomach, you know, uh, uh, you know, and then I had to get a barring order with the police and get her child out and all this. Now, if I hadn't had that background, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to help her. She had a big team. Nobody on her team would have known she was going through that. And then likewise, I've been working in, in salons with with big teams and I can spot, you know, who's 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 suffering at, at that point. But if the owner doesn't, you know, isn't, if, if that's not on their radar, then they're not going to see it as well. So I think from all sides in, in salons, you know, everybody needs everybody needs to know. So we need hairdressers, beauticians, everyone in, in the field that are helping people. But we also need the business owners. We need the colleges. <laughs> the people who run the colleges, the, the people who have, uh, we need all the people to do it who run all these bodies, the happier and the, and the you know, all of them. All of, everyone needs to be doing that on top as well. So uh, yes. I'll be having words with people I know. Okay. <laughs> well, let me just interject one thing too. It, even though this is geared towards people in our industry, 
it is very, very important that it be available to anyone who needs the resource because so much of it is universal. There is a small portion in the training that is specifically directed to uh, salon specific or beauty industry specific signs, but most of it is just basic domestic violence 101. Yeah. And it provides very helpful resources for anyone who might need it. And so even if you run into someone, you know, at, at a pub that, you know, or at a store who needs something, if you just have that sense, you can provide it to anyone, just pass on the link. So there's no requirement for it to be someone in our industry. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely going to go outside of that to, you know, hospitality industry, all sorts of industries could take that one as well. Mm -hmm. So if we covered everything, I don't want to miss anything out on this podcast. (laughs) Have I not missed anything? Well, I I think more in terms of the numbers. So I keep, you know, so I'm delighted now that Susanna is saying we're in 131 countries. So now I'm saying, right, okay, the next target is 150 and 150 countries. And then what was the other number? How many people have downloaded the training now, Susanna? Well, 81,000 81,000 training. There have been more views than that, but it's 81,000 completions. 81,000. So then I'm saying, right, okay, we now we have to get it to 90,000. So this is the way my mind works. And then I think, right, okay, then we have to get it to 100. So so always just pushing pushing the bar. Yeah. Yeah, come on, people. Don't don't go on there and point. Don't press it and then look at it. You've got Stop to do doing that to me. You've got to do the training. <laughs> you must do it. <laughs> if I like the like button, you must do the action button. That's what you've got to do. Take action. Yeah. You don't want to be saying. No. Oh, I wish I'd watch that now. What am I supposed to do? Just watch it. Yeah, so I so my numbers can grow and I feel happy. <laughs> well, in fact, any any way I can help, I'm more than more. Than thank you so that. much. And uh, yeah. thank you so much for joining me. Um I've really, really enjoyed it. And I, I you know, I Fair play to both of you, you know, because it's a, a wonderful cause and uh, you you really are, you know, saving people's lives. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stuart. You've got, yes, we, really, we really appreciate it. You're welcome. So grateful. Thank you. thank you. We'll keep in touch. We will. And next time you're over in Dublin, let me know. Oh, I'll be, I'll be letting you know. Don't you worry. Oh, I do. Or in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> or in Nashville. It may happen. It may happen. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Thank well, you so you much. Thank you.